Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name's Amy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, August 15th, and we are reading in the big book in Bill's story on page 5, down at the bottom of the page, starting with Renewing My Resolve. My readers today, and thank you in advance, are Hudi, Erini, Carol P., Michelle, Judy B., and Sharon. The reference number for yesterday is 2844. That's 2844. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to discuss and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Hudi to read the 12 steps, please. Hey, good morning, Amy. This is Hudi, compulsive overeater. Um, the 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood Him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to other compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Hoodie. I will call on Irini now, please, to read the 12 traditions. Thank you, Amy. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The 12 traditions. One. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one authority, ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. 
are leaders of but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irene. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop on share and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does not request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. Does request (laughs) that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing on what the directions in the big book means to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book in Bill's story on page 5 at the bottom of the page where it starts renewing my resolve. Again, my readers are Carol P., Michelle, Judy B. and Sharon. Carol, could you start us out, please? Yes, good morning, everyone. Renewing my resolve, I tried again. Some time passed and confidence began to be replaced by cocksuredness. I could laugh at the gin mills. Now I had what it takes. One day I walked into a cafe to telephone. In no time I was beating the bar asking myself how it happened. As the whiskey rose to my head, I told myself I would manage better next time, but I might as well get good and drunk then, and I did. And um, how many times I renewed my resolve and got a little confidence and thought, well, now I've got what it takes. And the next thing you know, it just was like seconds. I was always amazed that within a second, 
you know, I was consuming thousands of calories and, you know, just baffled, you know, don't, how did it happen? How does this food have this power over me? And I have no resistance. Um, and, uh, you know, and I would always tell myself, well, you know, I've already started, I'll do better next time. Um, you know, might as well go for it. And, you know, there, and by then, uh, you know, I had triggered the allergy and, uh, you know, I hadn't, I was, it was, you know, I was going to town. So, uh, you know, I definitely identify with, uh, what's going on here and uh just that it happened over and over and over and over and it was a pretty torturous existence uh but uh you know I was hopeless but uh you know came into the program and got hope very grateful for this program so with that I pass thank you thank you Carol would anyone else like to share on what was read please press star one to unmute this is Janice. Go ahead, Janice. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. There, There is, in Bill's story, a definite progression and lesson here for me. You know, we are at the point in Bill's story where he's starting to tell us that now he's trying to quit. Now he's trying to quit. You know, he's he's woke up, he's seen that he cannot take even one drink, and now he's trying to quit. Trying to quit entirely. Have no alcohol. And what's happened here is he can't stop. He can't stop. You know, we, we saw in the paragraph before that he'd made these firm resolves, sweet promises to his wife, and picked up again picked up again. And now, renewing his resolve, he's going to try again. Well, he got a little bit of time under his belt. He tells us he was confident, and then that got replaced by cocksuredness. So now he's feeling a little bit arrogant. You know, a little bit of self-will has worked for him here. He said, I could laugh at the bars. I could laugh at the gin mills. Now I had what it takes. But what happened? You know, he walked into a cafe to use the telephone, to use the telephone. And sure enough, in no time at all, he says, I was beating on the bar and asking myself how it happened, how it happened. You know, I'm grateful that the story is unfolding and that Bill is telling us in very clear terms what we're going to continue learning about this disease is that it gets worse, never better, and that no matter, every alcoholic passes that place where they cannot stop. Every compulsive overeater, if you're anything like me, gets to this point where you think, now I'm going to stop completely. I'm going to stop entirely. I can't do this anymore. But we can't. We can't stop, and when we do stop, we can't stop ourselves from starting again. And that's been my experience. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else care to share what was read? Hi, this is Kim. Hi, Kim. Go ahead. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This paragraph, oh, it, ouch, it comes a little bit too close here. It says, renewing my resolve, I tried again. 
Some time passed and confidence began to be replaced by cocksureness. Okay, so I tried that new diet. I went to that new gym. I tried that new, you know, X-lax or, or diuretic or something, and the weight is starting to come off. And I'm like, see, this was an easy fix. I got it. I got it. I'm looking good. I'm feeling good. You know, I could laugh at the gin mills. I can go into the bakery. I can go into the, the grocery store. I got this licked. Now I had what it takes. But then one day I walk into the cafe to, to, to use the telephone. You know, that's what we do. We go in and we, we think that we got this licked and we decide, I want some coffee. So I'm going to go into the Dunkin' Donuts. No big deal. I'm fine. And then we get that smell and then we take that one bite and we're sitting at the bar. We're sitting in the, in the um, Dunkin' Donuts. We're sitting in our, our, our car. We're sitting in our house. And we're like, we don't know how the fifth, the sixth, the seventh, the eighth donut got down our gullet. You know, and we beat our hands in the bar. We say, well, we might as well get good and drunk now. You know, I've already broken this. I've already screwed up Monday. Monday. I'll, I'll, I'll do it again on Monday. Monday will be good. Monday, Monday is always that day where we can, re, we can get back on track. You know, and this cycle happens over and over again with us. You know, the next diet comes. The next diet comes. The next, the next quick fix. The next gym. The next that. This is just a cycle that happens over and over again. And each time it feels new. It just so reminds me of, of Jim's story and more about alcoholism, where he, he decides to go for lunch, and he happens to go to lunch where there's a bar. You know, we happen to go places where there's always our favorite binge foods, thinking, this time I have what it takes. You know, and one day, if we do not treat the obsession of the mind, we are going to think that it's no big deal, and we're going to pick up, and we're going to be in that cycle that we talk about in the doctor's opinion over and over and over until that psychic change happens. And right now, Bill doesn't even know about the psychic change. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on what was read, please? Good morning. It's Leah. Good morning, Leah. Hey, good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Renewing my resolve, I tried again. So Bill now is going to try some willpower um, in dealing with this situation and you know, he saw that controlled drinking doesn't work for himself, uh, but neither is uh, just a physical solution of sobriety. Sobriety alone is not going to work either uh, because what he's got is a case of alcoholism, and uh, alcoholics like Bill, they can't drink and they can't not drink. So, uh, you know, he may be abstaining right now. He's renewed his resolve but uh, and this may work for a time, but he can't do so persistently, and he can't do so comfortably. And in no time, I was beating on the bar, asking myself how it happened. You know, because willpower is not going to work. Self knowledge is not going to work. Intellect's not going to work. Uh, willpower is not uh, stronger than the obsession of the mind. There's only one thing that's stronger than the obsession of the mind, and that's he who made the mind. A sick mind can't heal a sick mind. It's going to take a greater power. So essentially this all boils down to, you know, if you can't drink because of the allergy of your body, but you can't quit drinking because of his mind, then he's powerless over alcohol. And the story continues. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you. Would anyone else care to share what was read? Hi. This is Patricia from New York, Composable Reader. Uh, go ahead. 
Okay, thank you. Hi, very grateful for all of you to be there. I, I generally go to my big book meeting and my car dies, so I just went online and I'm so happy and grateful that this is happening and wonderful sharing around the solution and um, the education of what was wrong with me before I found all these wonderful people. I'm just sharing my gratitude that I don't have to feel alone. Like I'm getting a little static from your phone. Actually, I think we're good. Try again, please. Okay. I just was sharing gratitude that everyone is there talking about the big book recovery, and I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else would like to share on what was read, please? This is Judy B. Hi, Judy. This Go is ahead. Katie. Good morning. Uh, Judy. Great. Judy and then Katie, please. I just wanted to comment on this sentence. I told myself I would manage better next time, but I might as well get good and drunk then, and I did. I think of all the times when I would take something that I that I didn't uh, that I wish I hadn't eaten, and then I thought, "What's the use? I've broken my abstinence for today." And this this shows us so clear that. That then when we do that, we continue, and it just it makes things worse. I told myself I would manage better next time, and the next time can be the next moment if we if we get into the food and we and we go to our higher power if we're at that stage where we know that we can trust our higher power, we do not have to continue with the binge. <clears throat> We can uh, trust God and ask him to help us with that. Just, I don't know, this just uh, really, really um, came to my mind of all of the times when, when I would take one bite and think that that was the end for the day. It doesn't have to be the end for that day. It can be the end for that moment, and the next moment can be a new time. The next moment can be a, a resolve to trust a higher power. Um, just really, really um, important in my mind to think of all of the insanity I used to think when I when I would eat the wrong food. And um, I don't know, it's just so wonderful to, to clearly know now that for anybody um, starting out in the program, it doesn't have to continue for the rest of that day. It, it doesn't have to. If, if we've come to the point where we can trust this higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Judy. Go ahead, Katie. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. I'm just looking at this line, as the, whis- as the whiskey rose to my head. Um, I just think of, you know, when you take those first few bites and you think, and you sort of get a calm over you and it's like, oh, what's the big deal? This isn't that bad. It's, it's, it's not going to be that bad. I'll do better tomorrow. And, of course, he couldn't stop. He couldn't stop with that first drink. He couldn't stop with just a little. He had to go on a major bender. And the progression is just so um, so hard. And that's what um, we look for all the time is that we – I'm sorry. It's the first day of school. i got to go. Okay. Would anyone else care to share on what was read? 
Okay, we'll move on to the next paragraph. Michelle, could you go ahead, please? Well, hell, I don't get to go. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, everyone. Um, This is Michelle, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, by the grace of God. Happy to be here. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. My brain raced uncontrollably, and there was a terrible sense of impending calamity. I hardly dared cross the street, lest I collapse and be run down by an early morning truck, for it was scarcely daylight. An all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale. My writhing nerves were stilled at last. A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I. The market would recover, but I wouldn't. This was a hard thought. Should I kill myself? No, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. Jen would fix that. So two bottles and oblivion. Wow, Bill's really um, painting a grim picture here. And um, remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable um, is what Bill is saying here after he has succumbed to, uh, once again, um, as the big book tells us, king alcohol. He's become subject of king alcohol, and he is in his mad realm, you know, back to the craziness. Um, You know, he's feeling remorse. Um, I remember those mornings myself, um, back in the food again. Darn, I did it again, and I had said I wasn't going to. And just the horror of how am I ever going to get out of this? You know, I have this firm resolve in the morning, and um, 20 minutes later I'm back in the food. I'm feeling so hopeless. Um, It says that these are unforgettable, impossible to forget, but yet my sick mind um, would seem to forget them because there I go again. I was um, trapped in that phenomenon of craving and the mental obsession of the mind. Um, There was no courage anymore. Um, It was just that I was caught up in this mad realm, and um, my body and my mind dictated um, what I would do. My nerves were stilled at last. I can remember you know, waking up, feeling horrible, thinking, you know, I can't keep doing this, but I don't know what else to do. And then the mental obsession would come, and it would be like, okay, that first bite, okay, there was some relief, but then I was trapped back in that spiral that would take me down, 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 back into the food, back into that oblivion. And, um, you know, the pleasure was gone. You know, there's no pleasure described in this that I once got from food when I would eat, and um, feel good and feel that rush. Um, this does not. This paints a pretty grim picture, and I can certainly relate to to that feeling. Um, reminds me of the four horsemen: that terror, bewilderment, frustration, and despair. And that only to just um, try to make another attempt, and yet another failure, another attempt, and another failure. Um, I didn't know yet, um, and neither did Bill. Um, but he had this one little thought that, um, you know, um, that he wouldn't recover, uh, didn't know the answer yet. I hadn't yet found that I, too, needed that psychic change. I needed to find a power greater than myself. I was beyond human aid, and this paragraph paints that picture of what it's like and what I remember feeling, um, that desperation, that hopelessness. And um, by the grace of God, I kept coming back to OA and... um, was able to to hear the answer that yes um, there is hope 
if there's um, if I'm willing to to work these steps and rely on a power greater than myself, um, a power greater than myself can can help me once I'm spiraling down. Nothing else, nothing else. And this paragraph clearly describes what that feels like. Uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else care to share all with you, right, please? It's this is Christy. Wow, I didn't catch that first name. Could you try again, please? It's Christy. Oh, That's Christy. Christy. Christy Got Gale. it. Go ahead, Christy, and then the other person will get you right next. Uh, awesome. Thanks, Amy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, oh, you know, I wish I could tell you that I couldn't relate, but, you know, I can relate. I can relate. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here, right? I'd be doing something else this morning. But, uh you know, the remorse, the horror, and the hopelessness of the next morning. I can't tell you how many mornings I have like that. How many mornings I have like that where I woke up and I was full of remorse. I was full of remorse. And I was full of hopelessness. There was absolutely no hope for something, someone like me that something would be different for me. Um, you know... You know, here we are just one page after Bill has said what he's going to do. You know, I mean, just just a few paragraphs ago, he was going to just stop drinking forever. He was going to stop drinking forever. You know, that was his solution. He was going to throw his willpower and everything he had at not picking up. You know, he wasn't going to take that first drink. And, And now in this paragraph, in this paragraph, Bill's solution you know, not only for the market going bad, but, um, you know, his his alcoholism is to maybe step in front of a truck. You know, that's the solution. You know, and it reminds me of me and where I was. You know, it reminds me of where I was, you know, 11 years ago. Um, here it is August 15th, and at about this time, 11 years ago, that was my solution too. That was the best I could come up with. You know, I, I was back up at... 300 pounds, you know, not for the first time in my life, but for the second time in my life. I had absolutely no hope of anything being different. And, uh, you know, there was no willpower even left for me to throw at my addiction. And um, that was the thought I had. You know, what is Christy's solution? What's the best Christy could come up with to try to combat this? And... uh, you know, the thought was that perhaps I could take my life. You know, that was the best I could come up with. That was where my disease had taken me. And uh, that was not, you know, that was not the vision for me that I had, you know, 11 years earlier than that. It was, um, you know, uh, not where I thought I would be, not where I thought I would be, just like Bill, just like Bill. And, um you know, at the end of the paragraph, what he says is, uh, you know, gin was six, whatever was going on, whatever was going on, you know, whatever thoughts he had about taking his life, however bad the market was, however hopeless and remorseful and horrified he felt, his solution to just try to get some ease and comfort for a moment was to drink a couple of bottles of gin. And... Um, that's certainly uh, certainly something I did over and over and over again. No, I've got to get that thought out of my head, and the best way for me to do that, of course, would be to eat. So the very thing that was causing me remorse, the hopelessness, and the horror 
was also going to be what I picked up over and over and over again. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Uh, and that other person, please, I beg your pardon, I didn't get your name. It's Irini. Yes, Irini, go ahead, please. Yes, uh, good morning, my all. Uh, my name is Irini, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Um, my brain raced uncontrollably. Wow. So Bill has moved from habit to obsession, and he's in a state of mind of numbness, of darkness, and he can't see the truth. He has no clarity. He's being blocked by the light of the Spirit. And um, instead, he's deeply buried in his pain, although his heart is really desiring to stop drinking. But the cause of the illness, that obsession of the mind, is not letting him go. It is uh, slowly killing him. His illness is beyond his control. This is keeping him a prisoner of the alcohol because this is the only solution he knows to turn to. It's the only answer that he knows. But the real truth and the real answer rests in um, shifting from faith, from the mind to the heart, from self to God, a total surrender and admission to God. And this is such a paradox. When we totally surrender, we totally win. And this is only possible with the hand of God. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irene. Would anyone else care to share on what was read, please? This is Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. You know, the disease has very specific results, um, and, uh, you know, these are some of them, remorse, horror, hopelessness. Uh, you know, we see, um, you know, isolation, and we see depression, and we see suicidal thinking. He's got this, uh, you know, these are the results. These are the results. Recovery brings certain results. The big book teaches me happy, joyous, and free way of life is a result of the recover of recovery. But disease also has results like remorse, horror, hopelessness of the next morning. You know, that that is a result of the disease. He says the courage to do battle was not there because he kept going into the boxing ring with the obsession of the mind. And when you keep going into the boxing ring with the obsession of the wa- mind, the obsession of the mind is going to win out every time. I know that was true for me. Every time I brought self-knowledge into the boxing ring or willpower or determination or new resolve or, you know, uh, whatever I had up my sleeve, every time I brought me, myself, and I into the boxing ring with the obsession of the mind, the obsession of the mind, every single time that mental twist would win out. That strange mental twist, that, that uh, forced out all thoughts to the contrary and made picking up, you know, that first drink in Bill's case uh, seem like the best idea ever. You know, what happened? I mean, clearly we're seeing progression here because at the top of the page he was laughing. You know, he had new resolve. He was laughing. He was confident. He was. He thought he had this thing licked. He started out with willpower just a couple paragraphs ago. Then he starts questioning his sanity, and now he's contemplating suicide. This is clearly a, a descent into the madness of alcoholism. 
the progression of the disease. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Would anyone else care to share what was read? It's Monica. Go ahead, Monica. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and I, too, just wanted to touch on what Leah so did, did so well here. You know, the progression of this disease, and we are seeing how he's going further and further down with this. And here he's gotten to the point where physically and mentally um, he's, you know, he's getting to the point where he's having a drink all, all day and all night. Because physically, his mind is uh, racing, his brain is racing uncontrollably. There's a terrible sense of impending calamity, um, you know, impending disaster, tragedy. And the only thing he knows how to deal with it is is his solution. Like we've been saying, his solution is is liquor, is booze. And he's getting so uh, physically um, into a mess with this, I hardly dared cross the street. This guy is so drunk he can hardly walk. Somehow he does it, and he finds a place that gives him more beer. And the other part of it is, you know, in like was said, a few paragraphs are at the top of the page there. You know, he had a little confidence, and he was feeling pretty good, you know. And now he's progressed so much here that his solution's not working anymore. You know, the solution, the gin would fix that, and before it would give him some ease and comfort. And now the only thing he can look forward to, and hopefully, is some oblivion, you know, some unconsciousness, some unawareness, you know, an attempt to escape. Doesn't sound like any fun to me. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Monica. Anyone else? I'd like to share. My name's Amy. I'm a compulsive overeater. Well, in case we haven't made it clear here, this is not an issue of willpower. We have seen this progression, and he's progressing rapidly. And no matter what he wants to do, Bill, he cannot use his will or his mind to beat this craving for alcohol. He's progressed rapidly from wanting to stop to realizing he can't stop to realizing he can't have one drink to wanting with all his will and all his might to stop and not be able to. I understand this progression as well. My family's motto was all it takes is a little willpower. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Put your mind to it, Amy. You can do anything you put your mind to. And I understand that in my bottom of my compulsive overeating, I put everything I had into stopping. I didn't understand why I could not use my willpower or my mind to battle food, why I kept shoving it in my mouth. You know, I come to OA and I understand it is a twofold disease. It is a mental obsession and it's a physical allergy. But I didn't understand that then. My only tool at that point that I had in my arsenal was me, myself, and I, and my willpower. But warped by this mental obsession, I was powerless way before I even realized it. But there did come a point for me, like it did did with here, with Bill here, where it was like, I got nothing left. I got nothing else. I don't know what else to do because food is the only thing I've got. It may be killing me, but it's the only thing I got. So I'm going to eat to oblivion. And that's certainly what I tried to do at my bottom. 
I mean, I didn't want to admit powerlessness. I mean, it says it in step one, every natural instinct cries out against personal powerlessness. But yet I knew at that point that I was down for the count. I didn't know. But yet that, that humbling, that beating by this disease, and we will see it in Bill's story, is what I needed to get to to be able to work this program. Again, if we go back to step one in the 12 and 12, it says here, we perceive that only through utter defeat are we able to take our first steps toward liberation and strength. Our admissions of personal powerlessness finally turn out to be the firm bedrock upon which happy and purposeful lives may be built. As we go through this story with Bill, we're going to find out that at his bottom he gets approached and it seems like some pretty radical ideas are given to him to figure out how to stop drinking and how to be sober. But he looks at them and we look at them and we think, oh, well, I don't know. But beaten by this disease and where I was, I don't know where you all were or are right now, but where I was and where Bill is in this part of his story is his bottom, I would become willing and became willing to do anything to stop eating anything because my tools my arsenal whatever i had was not working the food called and i followed whenever it called wherever it called whenever i had nothing left but that bedrock that bottom that utter powerlessness was the bedrock upon which i said okay i give up i can't do this my mind my sick mind cannot do this and i became willing to pick up the spiritual tools and the steps that are dictated in this program and the first 164 pages. And with that, I'll pass. Would anyone else care to share on what was read? Okay, well, we'll move on to Sharon in the next paragraph, please. Good morning. This is... Hi, this is Sharon. The Go mind, ahead, I am a recovered compulsive overeater. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. For mine endured this agony for two more years. Sometimes I stole from my wife's slender purse when the morning terror and madness were on me. Again, I swayed dizzily before an open window or the medicine cabinet where there was poison, cursing myself for a weakling. There were flights from city to country and back as my wife and I sought escape. Then came the night when the physical and mental torture was so hellish. I feared I would burst through my window, sash and all. Somehow I managed to drag my mattress to a lower floor, lest I suddenly leap. The doctor came with a heavy sedative. Next day, found me drinking, both gin and sedative. This combination soon landed me on the rocks. People feared for my sanity, so did I. I could not eat. I could eat little or nothing when drinking, and I was 40 pounds underweight. And, boy, this, as odious as it sounds, 
as horrible as it sounds. This is what happened to me. Uh, on the, this is where the addiction will take us to the very end, to the jumping off point. Um, just to see the progression of this disease into total madness till his body was wrecked and he couldn't even take care of the very basics for himself. Now, I did this with food. Now, here he wasn't eating at all. And me, I couldn't stop eating. I was eating myself to, to, to total destruction. I was completely miserable. And then I still had to take, pick up that next bite. It just did not matter. There was an other part of me. There was two of me. There was the one that wanted to stop. And then there was the other that just kept on eating regardless of how much pain, regardless of the agony, regardless of who I hurt. We see that he stole from his wife's slender purse. He was taking her down too. He was destroying her. When I was in my food, I can tell you honestly, I love my children. But I tell you, I would try to find some way to put them, to make them safe so that I could go on eating. And I would eat and I would eat. And that's what this disease does. But I and and what what's also interesting here is then he he got what uh, the medical profession thought was a solution, a sedative, and that would calm him down. But then he ate right through, he drank right through that. He this disease is cunning, baffling, baffling, and powerful. It broke through the sedative so that he could keep right on drinking. So he had the sedative, and he used that for his addiction, and then he kept right on drinking. And for me, the doctors can tell me, Sharon, you need to stop. My parents can tell me, my mother, my children need me, my husband. But I just keep on going. It's beyond my control. It was beyond Bill's control. But what's really exciting in this paragraph is that people feared for my sanity The other people will see it before we do. They will look at us and they know that we're destroying ourselves. We don't see it yet. And we know in in paragraphs back, Lois saw it. And then she would get happy when he found a solution. But it didn't say that he got so happy because he knew deep down in that he wasn't at his, he hadn't had his last drink. He knew even though he had a temporary solution, there was a part of him that knew that he was going to go back to that drink. But other people, Lois could be happy. Other people could look at him and tell that he was go, uh, drinking himself to destruction. They can look at us and tell that we're, uh, we're eating ourselves to death. But then in this chapter, toward the end, people feared for my sanity So did I. Finally, finally, he starts getting it. He starts recognizing the power of this disease. And with that, I pass.
Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else care to share on what was read? This Hi, is Rick. Go ahead, Rick. Good morning. Rick's compulsive overeater. Next day found me drinking both gin and sedatives. Well, isn't that what we do with our binge foods? We're only going to have a little bit of this. Maybe it's the sugar item. And then we're into the salty item. We never start with everything. We go from one thing to the next, just like Bill. The allergy the body took off with both the drinking and the sedative, it really didn't matter which. So I think I can relate to the way Bill dove back into his disease with both those items, same way we as compulsive overeaters after a, after a diet have a little bit of one thing, and soon we're into everything all over again. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rick. And there was someone else, please. Judy B. from Massachusetts. Yes, Judy, go ahead, please. Hi, Amy. Hi, everyone. Judy B., compulsive uh, overeater, recovered, and so grateful. The mind and body are marvelous mechanisms for mine endured this agony two more years. I just think of the, the agony and, and the abuse that, that Bill's body and mind endured and also think of the years that uh, I abused my mind and body. And um, the paragraph so clearly describes the agony that we, that we get to. But one thing that I really would like to um, talk about is that the mind and body are marvelous mechanisms. They, I mean, they were made by our Creator, and they will go through unbelievable torment. But the truth is we don't know how much they, they can go through. I mean, we do not know what or how much the mind and body can take. And I know being in this program for many years, I have lost uh, friends and fellow travelers in this program. And it's just devastating, devastating to know that um, everyone doesn't come to the recovery process. It's possible to come to the recovery process, but we, we don't know how much abuse and agony our body will take. So the, the only thing we can do when we're, when we're at that point, and I'm so grateful that I knew that and understood it after many years of, of messing up, that there, there is a solution. And, <coughs> excuse me, and that power greater than ourselves uh, will, will make it different for us, will change us if we're just willing to pick up the spiritual tools. And um, so if we find ourselves in this agony, just know that there is a solution. And the more and more we listen to this program, the more and more we will, we will come to understand that. And I thank you so much for allowing me to share. I pass. Thank you, Judy. Would anyone else care to share what was read? This is Janice. Go ahead, Janice. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Yeah, this is uh, this is a, a remarkable paragraph. 
in that it describes to me so clearly the progression of Bill's disease and the progression of my disease. You know, the isolation, lost jobs, broken relationships, the deep depression, seeking oblivion, seeking escape. You know, they, they, they say that it's so painful to watch someone, you know, his friends, his people, his family, fearing for his sanity. You know, the watcher has such a horrible job watching someone go down. But, you know, the worst part about it was seeking oblivion, but you wake up. You wake up. And I remember that happening to me again and again. Seeking oblivion in the food, but waking up. Dying inside, but waking up. The suicidal thinking. The suicidal thinking. You know, the progression, the results of the disease are so horrific. So horrific. You know, he could do nothing against this. You know, the disease is running the show at this point. Bill is not. The disease is running the show, and he's trying anything he can think of. You know, dragging the mattress off the bed and downstairs because he was afraid he might just jump out the window. It got so bad. got so bad. You know, and for two years, he endured this kind of torture, this kind of torture. You know, and I think to myself, thank God he's describing this so succinctly for me in this book. I don't ever want to forget what that was like, what that was like. Because now, today, thank God, I can stand in the sunlight of the Spirit. Thank God today I'm on the other side, and we can help each other. We can help each other by looking closely at this, recognizing ourselves, identifying, and then grasping the solution. You know, with all the power that we have, when we grasp the solution, our higher power is right there. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. Anyone else care to share what was read? It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you, Amy. Yes, I identify. Uh, There were flights from city to country and back as my wife and I sought escape. You know, that's the thing. You can run, but you cannot hide from this disease. And, and, you know, he's trying, but the beast is always going to be faster. You know, I know that was true for me, whether it was city to city, uh, job to job, relationship to relationship, you know, my disease was always at my heels, and no matter what I tried, there it was, you know, because no matter where I went, there went, there I was, you know, I brought myself with me, all action is born in thought, this is a self-imposed crisis, so it didn't matter whether I was in Rhode Island, Maryland, California, it didn't matter where I was, because there I was, you know, my brain was with me. All action is born in thought. And no matter where I try, different job, different city, different relationship, you know, uh, external conditions are never a remedy for the internal condition called alcoholism or, in my case, compulsive overeating. You know, this was, was utter mayhem for Bill, utter mayhem, and there is no escape. There, there is no escape, you know, and the intellect cannot, uh, 
the intellect, determination, self-knowledge, human aid is not enough to conquer the obsession of the mind. Not enough to conquer the obsession of the mind. Bill does not know what he is up against. He does not understand the depths uh, to which this disease called alcoholism would go. But he's going to find out (laughs) because he's getting destroyed in the process. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, we'll move along with Judy B. to the next paragraph, please. Good morning. My brother-in-law is a physician, and through his kindness and that of my mother, I was placed in a nationally known hospital for the mental and physical rehabilitation of alcoholics. Under the so-called Benadonna treatment, my brain cleared. Hydrotherapy and mild exercise helped much. Best of all, I met a kind doctor who explained that though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill, bodily and mentally. And and this, again, describes where where he's at. Um, Uh, Bill uh, comes to recognize that he was selfish and foolish, but the doctor is assuring him that you are seriously ill. I mean, your body and your mind have been through hell, and um, more is going to be needed. Um, Gratefully, thankfully, he was placed in this uh, nationally known hospital, and and he was going to meet um, the doctor who could really... uh, help him but um i'm just so grateful that that was part of his journey because it certainly uh it certainly has benefited all of us um i mean all of the things that they tried hydrotherapy mild exercise um you know counseling whatever they did (coughs) excuse me whatever they did you know it was helpful but but um more is to be revealed there more is more is needed, and um, and at this hospital, um, Bill will come to his senses uh, eventually. And uh, with that, I'm 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 so grateful, and I pass. Thank you. Would anyone else care to share on what was read, please? It's Monica. Go ahead, Monica. Thank you, Amy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, this is his first treatment here, his first hospitalization that Bill is going to go through here. And this is in 1933. And this hospital is Towns Hospital in New York City. And that kind doctor is going to be our our, our medical saint here, our Dr. Silkworth, who is going to um, um, tell... Bill, that he is seriously ill, bodily and mentally, and hope, and we know that there's going to be more to follow. And with that, I pass. Great. More to follow, indeed. And on that note, we're going to wrap things up here. Thank you for everyone who has shared. Thank you for our readers, Carol, Michelle, Judy, Sharon. Thank you so much, Houdini, and Ahudi as well. Uh, we will now close the meeting with a reading from the big book on page 164. Uh, would um, Sharon, could you please read that?
press star one to unmute. I'd love to. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.